What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Rico, and I am your host, and I am here with a very special guest today. A bit of a surprise, didn't announce this one beforehand, but we do have Michael Govier here with us from the Palazzo Podcast. You also can see his articles every Monday go out on Fantrax. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us, man. Joe, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm finally doing my thing in another edition of Mike Govier hangs out with a Canadian. That's very, very common routine for me. My girlfriend's Canadian, and I've come to really appreciate a lot of the Canadian fantasy baseball brethren, and that includes brethren, I guess, would mean males only, but to me, that's like everybody, brethren. It's like a brotherhood of sisterhood, whoever it is, all of you people in Canada. I really, really dig the intense passion that the Canadians have for fantasy baseball. That You're all over the place. Well, for one thing, I don't know if there's a female equivalent to brethren. There probably is, but I don't think it's as well known, right? Yeah, Um, I'm not sure. I have to look up the definition on that one. There might be something. But uh, in terms of the Canadians, I think with the way the Blue Jays have done uh, specifically these last years, so I think it's maybe put a bit of a charge into uh, the enthusiasm level for some of these Canadian folks like myself. So maybe that is uh, what we can attribute this to, because certainly uh, a couple of years ago, watching Blue Jay games, I would not have been as excited to be doing this. Just uh, walk up, you know, hundred losses just about. And it's a lot easier yeah, to do this. Like now you had that great run prior to it though. So it's not like it's been in the doldrums for decades, the Jose Bautista years, the bat flips, the Rangers, the playoffs, the Orioles, the mistake made by Buck Showalter, who's now a manager of a team who could win a world series this year when he decided not to use Mr. Britain, that was a mistake. Boy, that was a big mistake. 15 and 16 was a great run. Uh, throughout the, my, I mean, I've got Roy Halliday memories, great Roy Halliday memories. And then other than oh. that, it was, it was a bit of a tough uh, growing up being a Toronto fan there for, for a few years anyway. I missed the World Series years. And then I came in like right after Roger Clemens and a bit of a downturn. But anyway, we are, uh, we're, we're looking good right now. We're looking pretty good. Your Tigers, you're, I'm assuming you're a Tigers fan, right? I uh, I don't like to call myself a fan. I don't use that word. Not that I'm better than anyone or pretentious. I, I just, I'm just a 41-year-old human being who enjoys baseball a great deal, but I'm not going to call myself a fan. I, I'm a supporter. I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious. I always keep tabs on them. And I also have a complicated relationship, Joe, with our owner, Chris Illich. He's kind of a turd. And I don't just say that because he's an owner. I'm willing to give every owner a fair shake, even though it's very likely that most owners turn out to be turds. But... Chris Hillis in particular is just not somebody that you can root for and get behind. And the way the Tigers are playing this year, they're the butt of everyone's fantasy jokes. In fact, I was watching last night, Justin Mason and Dave McDonald doing their friends with fantasy benefits pod. There's a free plug for them. Shout out to those guys. But I was watching them on YouTube and they were (laughs) talking about anytime you can stream against the Tigers. Doesn't matter who the streamer is. Just stream your pitchers. Against the Tigers, Mitch Keller, Dylan Bundy. It doesn't matter who it is. The Tigers offense is so putrid, such a shame, such a disaster, such a man, just a train wreck that anybody could be useful against that offense. So uh, it can only get better from here. But guys like Javi Baez, hint, 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 are really, really bumming me out. Well, I think that might be a decent segue. Why don't we start off with Javi? Do you think that we are going to see an improvement from him or do you think that needs a year to, to figure things out in Detroit first or what, what, what's your what's your outlook on him 
Well, Joey played in Chicago with the Cubs right down the way here in the Midwest. It's a four-hour, maybe five-hour train ride from Detroit to Chicago. So he knows this region. He's played here. He's 29 years old. He's in his prime, supposedly. And he just stinks. He just is the worst-case scenario of what you can get with Javi Baez. But, in fact, the strikeouts are they're down a bit. I mean, the strikeout percentage is 26% this year. And the walk percentage is always going to be low. But it's his ISO that really stinks. A 108 ISO in the crapper. That's no good. And a 54 WRC plus. 54. He's a career average player at 101. So he's not even average. He's got to be better than this. I'm certain he will be better than this. And I'm banking on that because I've drafted him. I was against him. I wasn't a biased guy. And I talked to Ryan Venancio, who's a very, very intelligent, thoughtful fantasy baseball analyst in his own right. And he changed my mind on him over the winter. It was kind of a moment where you have to be willing to get out of your bias and really reimagine why you don't like a player. Is it just the stats that they put up, the expectations, the way they are? I mean, because we have these little idiosyncrasies that we're just not into players for certain reasons. And you can't have that when you're playing for money. We're trying to win cash here, Joe. And for me... Oh, yeah, you, say, you look cash. I was about to say, I'll draft the Yankees if it, if it, if it must be. Like, <laughs> right, I know, yeah. Oh, I, you said a mouthful right there, my friend. <laughs> I'd rather die for the Midwest. So the Yankees have such a dominant presence in media and in baseball. I'm always trying to pump up teams like the Blue Jays and the Tigers. But my point being is that I didn't think Baez was ever a guy I would draft, but I bought into it for some reason because I really thought he could still give me a 30-homer, 20 steel season. I don't care about the K's. I was willing to sacrifice that. And that he was motivated by the fact that he wanted to opt out of this deal to get another big deal. And that was flawed thinking. And I admit that freely. You got to come correct when you make mistakes. But the bottom line is, Joe, I still cannot bring myself to drop him in a 15 team at all because the law of averages say that things will get better. He will turn it around eventually. It's just I don't know when that will be. I mean, even in, if you're talking about 10 or 12 team leagues, I don't know that I would make the cut yet. Like, I mean, I've looked, if I look at the batting average on balls in play, that should turn around a little bit, 254. He's a career 331. So, and that, it's probably not going to go too much higher, but you figure he'll probably get closer to the league average around 300. Average is never a strong suit for him. It's more so we're looking for the power numbers to come back. And uh, like you said, I wouldn't be dropping him, but I am definitely benching him I would say for now until he can figure it out and I'm not sure exactly what it will be maybe it's kind of similar to Francisco Lindor they just need a a full year in their new setting to really settle into things that's not really a statistical thing that's more just an opinion but I feel like over the course of the season we'll still see him eventually turn around maybe similar to what we saw with uh, Joey Votto to this point we've seen Votto turn it around a little bit now and I know they're totally different players different leagues different positions they even hit from different sides of the plate, but I mean, uh, just in terms of that early struggle and the start to seeing a bit of a turnaround there, we haven't seen it yet with Baez, but I think we will eventually for sure. You know, it was one other thing I want to add to this. His zone swing percentage in zone pitches that are in the strike zone is down 7% from last year. He's down to 70%. So that's a 7% drop, but then his chase rate, chasing pitches outside the zone is up 3%. That's not good. At all. That's a terrible combo. But is he missing these pitches? Or is he being fooled so often by called strikes? I mean, is that what's happening here? Because his 
called strikes are up too. So is he trying to be more patient for once? It doesn't really fit the profile. He needs to maybe be a, this could be crazy to say for a guy like Javi Baez. I know it sounds crazy. He might need to be a bit more aggressive in the zone. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't watch too many Tigers games. So a lot of what I see from him is on replay and from looking at fan graphs and things like that. But one thing that does stand out a little bit to me here, uh, the ground ball percentage is at a career high. That's for one. He's not really hitting the ball in the air as much. Yep. That, um, hard hit rate is also at a career low. So are those things that you think will just take a little bit of time or is there actual things? I mean, I know you probably watch a lot more Tigers games than I do. Are there, is it a development thing or not a development? Is it a mechanical thing? Is it something that he has maybe lost the coach from Chicago that there's something different there or what are we attributing it to exactly? You think you had to pick something? Yeah. I wish uh, I'd give you a good answer. I, I do watch these games from time to time. And I watch all games, though. You know, I'm always watching MLB TV with as many boxes as I can squeeze. I actually mastered getting the eight box somehow. I was able to get two browser windows of four games each, put them together <laughs> to create the Octo Box. I did it. I did it. It was so awesome. And I was surprised because other people, I posted it on Twitter. They're like, oh, my God, how did you do this? I'm like, just merge your browser windows. But in that Octobox, when Baez swings, he looks like the same guy to me, except that he just keeps hitting the ball even more into the ground. Like you said, the launch angle is down a tad. And it really, he never went back to the early days of his launch angle, which was more of a 14-ish on average. And he's a career 10-ish launch angle guy. But the barrels, that attribute, I attribute less barrels to, to the fact that he doesn't swing as much in the zone for some reason. And that's really what's baffled me. So he looks like his swing looks like the same guy to me. I'm not a swing expert, so I'm not going to try to sit here and tell you that I know exactly what mechanically he might be doing different. It's actually an interesting question though. And it's something maybe I'll research further for uh, one of my shows down the road, because that is, there always could be something to be unlocked within those little videos there. Yeah, and it's not always necessarily even a position player. I think when you leave a coach and you have uh, different mindsets, different uh, whatever, different schedules, different everything when you go to a different team, and that'll kind of lead to another segue into the next guy I think we're going to talk about here. Uh, Robbie Ray, I was thinking we'd go over Robbie Ray a little bit. When you leave a team and it's just different everything, there is bound to be some changes, whether positive or negative, and there's been a lot of guys who have switched uh, locations this year, and we've seen – We've seen negativity, right? We've seen a definite regression in their production. And Robbie Ray, we've seen uh, a completely different side of the coin than what we saw last year. He got roughed up again last night. Are you thinking it's time to move on, or are you holding him for now? What's what, what are we thinking on Robbie Ray? I had zero shares for Robbie Ray this year, Joe. What I saw last year to me was just a fluke, an apparition. Uh, aberration? Not an apparition. <laughs> I think that's something completely different. But it was not something I believed. I know who Robbie Ray is and he got success for pitching a lot more in the zone last year. In fact, he made such an adjustment last year. He want to saw a young out of it, but once he got the deal, I looked at two guys and they both had to do with the blue Jays. Robbie Ray left the blue Jays. Kevin Gaussman came to the blue Jays. Now the difference here is the changes that Gaussman made with the giants They've stuck, and he's been that same guy. In fact, he's been one of the better pitchers in baseball this year, and I have to give total credit to Gaussman because Gaussman and Ray were two guys I'm like, I don't buy what I see, and I'm out on both. Wrong on Gaussman, but right with Ray for the most part. And 
Yes, he's just not a guy that I think could be consistent enough. He did it for one year to cash in a big contract, which is actually, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, Joe. Both Baez and Ray, they both had contract years. And I know contract years are not always indicative of performance per se, but they both maximized their opportunity and cashed in. And now this year, they're struggling in the first year with their new teams. Is that a coincidence, Joe? I don't know. I don't, I'm just saying. I don't know. Marcus Semyon as well. Marcus Semyon is exactly kind of boat. Uh, one thing that stands out with Ray for me is he left 90% of runners on base last year. Left on base <laughs> 90.1 for the whole season. Unheard of. Not not going to happen, right? Even his for uh, a bat- starter. So that's uh, we've seen a huge fall off from him. Are you thinking that you should try and be try and sell him, or what, what's your what's your mindset? I mean, I know you don't have shares, but in, for in general. Would you be trying to sell him now and get something back for him at all or hold on for a couple of good starts and sell him then? What, what do you think? Well, he's also getting a tad unlucky. If you'd like to look at expected stats with the FIP, you know, the FIP is slightly lower, 477 to a 497 ERA. It's not a huge gap, but the XFIP is 383. So there's a big difference there. Let's me know that maybe he... Uh, could just start to catch a few more breaks here. And the Seattle Mariners have also been struggling as a team. They're starting to put it together. And they actually won last night's game, even though Ray wasn't great. They did pull it off and get the victory. So I, oddly enough, I kind of think he's actually somebody you might want to try to pick up because yeah. if somebody's sick of it, like, ah, uh, somebody, if it's a keeper league and they're selling, great, go pick them up. Don't spend too much, of course. Keep it minimal. And in redraft leagues with trades, you definitely want to consider giving it a shot, but don't overpay for Ray. I don't think it's worth it to go heavy. You got to find the owner or the fantasy manager in your league who is willing to say, you know what? Uh, geez, I'm just sick of this Robbie Ray. He's been a real bummer for me. He's destroyed everything I thought I knew about baseball, and I need to get rid of him ASAP. Find that person and actually go get Robbie Ray. Even though I just said I wasn't a fan, I do know when value meets opportunity and i think that's actually the case here one thing i wanted to ask you uh it's not so much about robbie ray just in general do you prefer fip as a stat or do you prefer expected era i actually prefer fip more uh expected era is it's not a predictive stat and i think people get that mixed up sometimes okay it's an expectation and fip is more of a predictor for me it shows me that so pitchers who are getting generally unlucky on certain opportunities when the ball gets put in play on batted ball events, lets me know, okay, well, hey, bad breaks happen. And nine times out of 10, if it's a lower FIP, if it's a run lower, a FIP that's actually a guy like, I'll give you an example, Herman Marquez, who has been horrible this year for the Rockies. But his FIP is like almost, a, I think it's a run, at least a run lower. He's got a 670 RA and he's got a five. 65th. That tells me like, wow, I know he's been bad, but maybe there's actually a chance for some return to normalcy for him. So I look for moments like that between ERA and FIP, less so than expected ERA. I'll look at XERA, but it's definitely not my key indicator. I'd rather use FIP or Sierra. Okay. It's interesting. Was it you who put the, the tweet out a couple of days ago about Herman Marquez, about how you were expecting uh, to see some turnaround? Uh, did I tweet about that? Because I wrote about it in my Fantrax article for sure. Someone uh, tweeted over... it out. Someone... Yeah. I thought it was you, but I guess maybe I saw it in your article and I'm mixing it up. I'm not sure. 
oh crap, you know, someone's got to call me out and say that it's plagiarism. If someone else actually <laughs> tweeted about that, I swear I didn't see anything. I just was looking at the, up. you know, CBS does these, they have their two-star article, who's going to be a two-star pitcher each week, and they always get it wrong because Herman Marquez was in the CBS article on Sunday as a two-star pitcher, and then I looked, and I'm like, he's not starting twice this week. So I was originally excited about that because they were both road starts, but I did write about him in my Fantrax article, which is called the Fantasy Baseball Confidential, which you can find at FantraxHQ.com if you guys want to read it. It's, it's got a lot of tidbits and deep dives as well, and I went into Herman Marquez's numbers, and even though he's been terrible, I actually thought there was a chance for you to gain some value in the rest of the season. Well, I mean, his, uh, what's it? The BABIP is 343. That's probably get closer to the normal. He's only leaving 57% of runners on base. So those numbers will probably get closer to normal. And he could be, like you said, an, an away streamer, right? When he's away from Coors Field, he could have some value there. I didn't really tee this one off right. I mean, we're kind of doing a buy low and sell high, but I mean, it's more so just over and underachievers, I think. And we'll, just gauge their value a little bit here because not every one of these guys are going to be buying. Not everyone you're going to be selling. It's more just a conversation on some outlying outlier players. I should say, uh, maybe we'll jump into Robbie Ray's teammate here, Jesse Winker. He's someone who's also struggled quite a bit. What do you, what are you doing with Jesse? Well, you've selected another guy that I did not have any interest in acquiring coming into draft season, but like his teammate, Robbie Ray, it's got to get better from here, and he, usually he's an OBP monster. That's what we know about Winker, right, Joe? He he gets on base. A three seventy six career on base percentage. Woo, that's outstanding. Yeah, that's elite. But he's also tremendously streaky, and it took him a long time because he was a name that was in prospect circles for a couple of years before he finally broke through at age 23, and even then he only played 47 games. At age 24, he only played 89 games, and he didn't crack 100 till his age 25 season. So we've always been waiting on him, but he's the type of player who is a WRC plus darling because he's always above average. I mean, he's got a career 127 WRC plus. That's for a career, that's rock, rock salad. That's a good player. But I didn't like the park change. A lot of people will tell you that. Going from a great park to hit in, Great American ballpark in Cincinnati, the Queen City, where I used to live for a moment in time, to Seattle, which is uh, less so. So it's got to get better from here, though. Like, he's just not this bad. He's still got a 13% walk rate, which is what he does. That's right on par with his career norm. It's just a matter of him making some more solid contact and putting the ball in play a bit more and crushing it at the same time. So I actually think Winker's a buy right now because I always want to go when a player's at their lowest. I never want to get a player when they're at their highest because they've already given you so much. You want to get a player who's done so little that you know they're going to give you more, even if you don't have a lot of hope to go on in that moment. I, I know I rely on this particular stat quite a bit, but the Babbitt for him as well, I mean, it's 241. You figure... I know we've seen 50 games at this point, so maybe what we're starting to see is a little more accurate than what we than what we're hoping for. But you got to figure 241; he'll improve to somewhere closer to 300 throughout the year. Get the batting average back up, and we haven't seen much power from him either this year. I don't think. What have we seen? Three home runs. Three home runs. Zapped. It's definitely unfortunate. Last year he was one of my favorite pickups. I didn't draft him last year, but early season I picked him up and. I think you had, I had him for most of the season on my team. Anyway, last year, we're not talking any real, before I was involved in this industry, I was mostly just doing free leagues and a couple of 
low buy-in kind of stakes league. So if you're wondering why he was available, it's because it wasn't typically or terribly high stakes. So that 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 is why there. Um, let's see. Is there anything else with Jesse that stands out to you, or are you good to move on here? Those hard hit rates down too. Now, there's a lot of players I like who I can't quite explain why their hard hit rate is down so much. Was it the baseball earlier too? It just didn't fly off the bat like it should have because there was a dead ball. That's a fact. Don't sit here and try to tell me otherwise. Baseball manipulates baseballs. It's been proven. The data, if you're a data, uh, what would you say? A data aficionado, then you just got to look at the data, my friends. It's not cool what they do, but Having said that, I think that's why we have to look at hard hit rate with a little bit more of a a questionable discerning eye in 2022 because we just don't know what baseball is in play at that time. And if a baseball was dead earlier and it didn't travel as far, it couldn't go as hard as it would normally, it wouldn't fly off the bat as it should, then we have to take that into consideration. So I'm going to throw that one out. Otherwise, it's just a, a lack of barrel still. A barrel should be a barrel. If he puts it in the sweet spot of the bat and crushes it, that's a barrel, and he's going to ride that barrel train to more home runs and at least doubles and extra base hit opportunities. We're not seeing enough of that. So let's hope that that turns around, but he still doesn't strike out much, and he still walks a lot, and everything else kind of looks like it's on par for where it should be. He hit over 300 last year. That's not who he is. He's more of a 270, 280 hitter for his career. So... I like what I see here. I think it's a buying opportunity. Buy now before he goes on a streak. Because if you remember last year, Joe, he went on that tear. And he was arguably, for a stretch in the summer, the best player in baseball. He was killing it. Yeah, I think it was was it July or June yeah. of last year. He was – that Reds team is completely different than it looked like last year. It was actually a kind of exciting little lineup last year. You know, I mean, I know they figured Castellanos was gone either way. But him, Winker, uh, Eugenio Suarez, who's actually had a pretty solid year in Seattle. Uh, they, it's kind of a shame. I was never a Reds fan. Maybe you were because you lived there. But it's a shame what they did, man. It's really a shame with that team. It is a shame. And the one thing about Eugenio, that's a great point. They both came to Seattle together in a trade. They left Great American. And yet Eugenio has been able to thrive a lot more. But Suarez was really bad last year, too. So in a sense, he probably was more motivated to prove himself and he could still crush the baseball. And he's been able to do that. He's also less streaky, even though he's not a very good hitter for average and putting the ball in play. Eugenio can crush home runs all season long. And I think he was a really, really valuable play coming into drafts in 2022 because I know that he can still mash the ball and he just he got put at third base from shortstop back to third and it was I think that messed him up too and what a player has to go through in the routine that gets messed up in any way can be a real problem for players these are players who are creatures of habit so always remember that if a player gets moved around and they're not really a utility player it can it could screw up their process yeah look at Trevor Story at the beginning of this year maybe that's what we can attribute the uh, early struggles to seems like a distant memory huh oh <laughs> Yeah, he was. He went from uh, he was in a buy low piece, and then I was like, should I put him in a sell high piece next the next week? It's like, no, I can't do that. That's the <laughs> um, let's see now. Maybe we'll talk about one more uh, underachieving player, and then we'll move into some guys who maybe you should look to sell. Let's talk one more guy who uh, for me has been disappointing for the most part. Max Muncy. I mean, the walk rate is still it's at a career high. Actually, he's walking twenty percent of the time. Everything else. Kind of sucks. What, what what have you seen with him? Are you dropping him? Are you holding? What uh, what's the story? Well, another guy that I did not draft this year. Shit, and it's not. 
It's not because I don't like Mency. I just, he's not my kind of guy necessarily. There's other guys that I think provide more value. Um, although with that second base designation, that's a huge bonus for a guy who hit 36 home runs last year. So, I mean, I would have been silly in OBP leagues to dismiss him because he's really, really good at getting on base, as you said, with the walk rate. But the elbow thing was a concern. And after last year's Bellinger episode, I learned my lesson. I was a little bit more open to taking risks with a player and injury coming into the year. And Bellinger burned me really, really bad. And that injury was fresh in my mind. And his 21, 21 season was really stuck in my brain. So I'm probably overcompensated and apply too much of the Bellinger experience to Muncy's experience this year. Now, I've kind of lucked out in that way because he's just not been able to drive the ball. Muncy has struggled to drive the ball this season. He had the elbow tear, the UCL injury. But I really thought there was a Shohei Otani was able to hit with it when he had that injury a couple of years ago, and he was fine. So I didn't think it would be this bad for Muncy. That's why I'm surprised he struggled so much. Are you thinking he's a cut candidate or are you going to wait and see if he can turn it around? I think you got to wait out this coming back from the IL and see what he can do first before you bail. But if somebody's willing to jump on a trade opportunity before that happens, like they think he's going to turn it around post IL stint, then by all means, I think make the move now. Never look back. I think it's always wise to have some shares of the Dodgers lineup anyway, even if it's just like a Gavin Lux or something, just somebody to, I don't know. I feel good about rostering Dodgers anyway this season. I've kind of dominated with these guys. Is there anybody that maybe you have shares on or anybody you wanted to touch on here that uh, is of note to you, is of interest, one way or the other? Hmm. Uh, I wanted to mention, now this is a guy who's been hurt. He's just been chilling. But uh, Carson Kelly is on the mend in Arizona, and catcher is always a tough, tough situation for a lot of us, especially if you play in two catcher leagues. That's even worse, which I never played in until I got into this industry. I never played in two catcher leagues ever, but it seems to be standard in a lot of fantasy baseball industries and the big money leagues. It's just a standard roto thing, especially on NFBC.com. So Carson Kelly, I drafted a lot of, and he was so bad. So awful. I mean, it was so bad. It was horrendous. And I, I had to let him go when he got hurt. I'm like, well, this is the conclusion of this season for Carson Kelly, who I've drafted like 10 times, and I just got to take the L on this. But he's on the men now on a rehab assignment, and he's crushing the ball, which is why I liked him in the first place. He had a great streak last year where he was mashing home runs and crushing the baseball, and he looked good until he got hurt. So now he's developing this unfortunate tag of getting injured a lot. But when he's healthy and he's right, and he will still get to play catcher. They could have Varsho play in the outfield. I know Alec Thomas is up, and there's Corbin Carroll knocking on the door for the Diamondbacks. But I still believe Kelly is a guy that they acquired in a big deal, the Paul Goldschmidt deal of all deals. So I still see him as an asset for Arizona, and they will use him. I think this is a guy you may want to try to pick up. He's not going to be in anyone's roster odds on unless you're playing in a really deep league. But consider Carson Kelly as someone, if you need a catcher to fill the void for a catcher who's just stinking it up for you right now, just just awful, just providing you no power and no run score, no average whatsoever. Carson Kelly is a guy that I still think he's right and healthy. He can hit. Well, last year he did, though. He did. He had 13 home runs in 98 games. Uh, he, he was valuable. I, I remember having him for a little bit last year on one of my teams. He was valuable. Do you think that Varsho will just be moved to uh, – kind of more of a permanent outfield role once he comes back? You think they'll kind of try and get him out from behind the plate? Well, Diamondbacks are 
they're a weird situation. They're they're hanging tough. And I I remember I tweeted about this like six weeks ago, and people gave me a lot of shit for it. And I said the Diamondbacks are a solid team. They're not terrible, and there's no way the Giants and Dodgers are going to win a hundred games again because this division's tougher. And people are like, oh my god, the Diamondbacks? Are you kidding me? They're horrendous. But they've played hard and they've given it everything they have. The pitching's been pretty good, and the hitting's—they've been really, really good at getting on base. So. Uh, my point being here is right now, Varsho catches. Kelly comes back. Your current outfield is David Peralta and Alec Thomas. There's some Jake McCarthy in there, Jordan Luplo. Uh, I think Kelly has more of a priority over guys like Luplo for sure. And I'll eventually bow out of any type of hope to make a wild card run. I mean, I know they're 26 and 30, the four games under. So it's probably the beginning of the end for them anyway. So I expect more trade movement to clear out space where Kelly gets to play at catcher, uh, you know, three to four days a week, maybe Varsho catches once or twice and plays outfield otherwise. So, and Kelly can play DH if they're worried about him getting hurt because his bat is good enough to do that. I, I like Kelly. I think he's more, like you said, for a two catcher format. If you're in a one catcher league, I don't know that he's going to cut it necessarily, especially, I mean, I think a lot of my viewers play mostly ESPN and Yahoo 10 and 12 team leagues. In that kind of case, it might be kind of hard, don't you think? I mean, if you're talking about 15-team, two-catcher format, for sure. Uh, well, right that- now, he, he, yeah, he looks bad. Right now, he looks awful. He doesn't look like a 12-team catcher, but I think he can be a 12-team catcher if he gets back to his full health and mashes. He he would be somebody that you would want on a 12-team, I really do. It's true. I mean, with catcher, uh, we're looking at hardly any – what are we talking about? Maybe 10 serviceable catchers, actually pr- <laughs> pr- productive catchers in the league who are not like bringing down your averages and everything like that. Maybe 10. Yeah. Um, it's not fun. Sometimes <laughs> so many catchers that I roster. I'm just like, why? But oddly enough, if only the playing time would change, because to me, that's the big hang up with a lot of these catchers. It's just the playing time. They're so afraid to play a catcher yeah. five days a week, which I just think is absurd. You know, we've, we Carlton Fisk caught for like 24 years, 22 years. You know, he played forever. I know he's a Hall of Famer and unique, but there's guys who are workhorses and they can do that. And I think still having two days off a week is okay. You know, let's not, that's a whole nother beef I got. So I guess my bottom line is if a guy has a catcher designation and he could play five days a week, which Dalton Varsho does. So you love that. That's why he's a darling of the catching area. But I think there's a guy like, Carson Kelly that you could take and say, you know, I'm going to play him over a Cal rally who was good, but Cal rally sits a lot. Or, uh, I mean, he's no Alejandro Kirk, but you know, oddly Rushman, he hasn't played that great either. And you might need somebody because Rushman might still be cutting his teeth as a major league player, even though he's going to be really, really, really good. It could be a lot of different catcher options. I see where you say, Hey, I'm going to slide Carson Kelly in here because he's going to get hot. There's going to be time in the season where Carson Kelly gets on a roll. I'm calling it now. No, I think you're. I think you're right. He showed it last year what he could do. He has that twenty twenty five home run potential if he stays healthy. I think going back to the injury thing, I feel like a lot of it goes back to basketball and players sitting down the stretch in the NBA, and that's kind of mm. led into other sports here over the years. I know baseball catchers typically are not going to be playing more than one hundred and thirty games. I mean, that's even maybe shooting a little bit high. But I feel like it was honestly, and maybe just because I'm a Toronto fan, it was Kawhi Leonard with the with the Toronto Raptors a couple of years ago, coming off of his injury, and he yeah. sat, sat like 20, 25 games, and everybody's th- we won the championship that year, so everybody's thinking, oh, okay, this is how you win a championship—you sit your star player for 20, 25 games, and 
I feel like that's bleeding into other sports a little bit. I've seen it a little bit with Toronto with Vladimir Guerrero this year. He's still playing, but he's DHing more so. I think there's just such a worry in sports in general about injuries, and we're just so risk averse. Yep. It's they go a little bit too far, I think, and they they put a lesser product on the field because of it as a whole. The sports world as a whole puts a lesser product on the field because of it. Oh, look at that cute little well boy said. There. Well said. I'm not talking about hey, Mike. His dog is on screen here. I'm not. Talking- <laughs> I'm a cute little boy. Look at me. Come I on. am talking about both of them there, but I, I was talking specifically about the little guy there. What's his name or her name? <laughs> Yoshi. This is Yoshi the dog. Hey, Yoshi. She doesn't bark much, so she's just a good girl. She's a good little golden doodle, aren't you, Yoshi? I'm sure some of my yes, listeners, I am. Okay. Sure some of my listeners have heard some uh, some barking in the background on the odd show or two. That's my dog. He is not a quiet boy. He is a loud boy. He will break the door down when I'm recording sometimes, and I have to go and uh, go back and edit out his scratching on the door. So it's nice to have pets, though. They are kind of fun to have around when you're recording. Just uh, my cat is a lot more fun because she doesn't uh, she doesn't get in the way of the audio or anything really. But nice to have pets. Oh, cats! I don't like cats, you but that's like cats? okay. Hey. I'm not trying to alienate part of the audience here. I probably just lost some people there. Uh, shoot. Might as well go and declare yourself Democratic or Republican at that point. My God. <laughs> yeah, right. It's that divisive. Uh, well, maybe in the animal world. I don't know. My sister probably wouldn't be a huge fan here. And you're not you know, like cats. Animal people are hardcore, dude. They're hardcore. Do not even joke about animals in any way because they will lose it. They prefer animals over humans, and that's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. My sister prefers the cat over me, no question. She volunteers at a cat shelter, and <laughs> that, that was the end of it. Right. The, the pecking order in her eyes is cat, dog, then the parents, and then I guess myself. Uh, definitely at the bottom there. Is there anybody else that you wanted to touch on who you think uh, one way or the other is due for some regression, uh, due to get better or due to fall off a cliff? Mm-hmm. Well, you're a Blue Jays fan. Oh, yeah. What do you think of Matt Chapman? I think he's a buy low, personally. Uh, when I've looked at his hard hit numbers and everything, they're still pretty good. Um, and I think it's like we were talking about the adjustment of going to a new team, having new coaches. The brights are maybe a little bit brighter. Uh, the lights, the brights are brighter. The lights are brighter in Toronto, I think, than they, they are. are in Oakland. <laughs> So there is definitely uh, maybe a bit of nerves there. I think as a whole, I'm not really too worried about him. He's still about, I'd say, where he has been in the past for uh, certain metrics. He's actually down a little bit in terms of strikeouts. Walks are about the same. It does seem like he strikes out every at-bat, so it is a little weird to see he's down in strikeouts. But overall, I'd say I'm not really too worried about him as the season goes on. I think he'll probably start batting a little bit higher. Hopefully he can get out of that seven hole because it is a little hard to have value in the seven hole. If he can start batting fifth behind Teoscar Hernandez, a lot of RBI opportunities. He keeps the strikeout numbers down. I think he's a solid buy low candidate, but what, what do you think? Well, I've been being patient with him. I drafted him in my main event squad and I have not dropped him, even though he's been a bummer. He's been crushing the baseball though absolutely still mashes it over 50% hard hit rate. So it gives me hope that it's just got to go in the right direction with him. And I really thought, like you said, there would be more opportunities in this offense, which is really starting to turn it on. Now the offense struggled for the blue Jays early on here, oh, yeah. but they're getting it going. They're also in Kansas city right now too, which is the best they're, Kansas city's pitching has been really, really bad recently. In fact, I've been using them as streaming opportunities on my Plausible Podcast Discord, which is free. You can find the Plausible Podcast Twitter feed, 2Ls, 2Zs, Plausible Podcast, and saying, hey, 
go against Daniel Lynch, go against anybody. The Royals are out there because their whip and ERA over the last 15 days are two of the worst in baseball. So you want to take advantage of matchups. And I thought the, the Chapman might get it going this week. He hit home run Sunday. So we'll see what happens next with him. I just can't bail on him though, because third base gets pretty rough pretty quickly. And most of the leagues I'm in, I've, found a lot of people who are desperate for third baseman. So even though he's been so bad for the most part, I can't bring myself to cut him. Now again, these are uh, 14 to 15 team leagues, just for the record. My home league is a head to head Yahoo league. It's a 14 teamer. And I have Matt Chapman who actually kept, I kept him as a keeper last year, despite his challenging season. Cause I thought he would be so good in Toronto. How many keepers did you get? Uh, I was 10 keepers. 10 so. keepers. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we're definitely not seeing him at his full potential. I think we'll see, still see probably, what is he at? Six home runs? Seven, seven home seven, runs? Yeah, he's we'll, seventh on Sunday. Yeah. I think we'll probably still see in that 20 to 25 range. He needs to get hot at some point. It might, might be closer to 20. But I think he'll still be a very valuable asset, especially once all those guys start hitting. We've started to see it more recently now. Boba Shett's starting to hit. Teoscar Hernandez is starting to hit. And of course, every catcher who puts uh, who puts the jersey on seems to be able to hit for the Blue Jays this year. So I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not too worried there about about Chapman. Obviously, not thrilled, but like you said, we're not moving on just yet. We still got to hang on for a while. He did hit a couple of hits yesterday. He's had back to back multi hit games Sunday into Monday in Kansas City. Like I said, he feasted on their pitching. So let's keep an eye on that. That's promising. Speaking of Kansas City pitching, you and Brad Keller's cooked, eh? Like at the beginning of the year, it seemed like he might have a little bit of value, but I think I, yeah. I think I'm giving up on that one uh, at this point. He was someone who I was. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think uh, while we were just on the topic of Kansas City pitching, uh, he's pitching against Toronto tonight, so he's obviously not going to be a start there. But he started off so strong this season, and now he's just been over the last month, 29 innings pitched, uh, six six seven ERA. I guess there's no hope there, eh? Mm, yeah, the, fa- the fact that the K's are so low, 33 K's in 60 innings, ew, that's that's not what you want from him. You would expect more power pitching, and he's not offering that, and he's getting torched. Yeah, I don't see any light right now that I would be going towards in the Brad Keller world. Guys, we're talking with Michael Govier here. He is one half of the Palazzo podcast, and he is also a writer for Fantrax. You guys can see his work every Monday. That's every single Monday you put, put out an article, right? You guys- That's right. I'm Fantrax HQ. Not Fantrax, but FantraxHQ.com. For some reason, they have this weird differential with the Fantrax HQ and the Fantrax.com, which is where you can play fantasy, but the Fantrax HQ is where you can read all of our advice, uh, baseball, football, basketball, et cetera. Okay, I I actually didn't know that, to be honest with you. I've never played fantasy. See? Yeah, they on, don't. <laughs> I've never played on fan tracks in the fantasy league, so I had, I had no idea about that. Oh, I got to tell you, and I'm not shilling for them because I wouldn't do it if I didn't believe it, but <laughs> I went to fan tracks uh, several years ago because they offer so much custom options. When you want to create a dynasty league in particular, there is no substitute for fan tracks. They're the best for dynasty for sure. Okay, that's good to know. I am planning on getting into a little bit more of the dynasty world. I got one dynasty league that I don't really focus on too much, but. I'm thinking throughout this year and next year, we'll start to get a little bit more involved there. So maybe we'll throw some business fan tracks away. Why not? Michael? <laughs> Yay! Michael, thank you so much for being here with us, man. Uh, you guys can find him on Twitter at MJ Govier. You guys can also find the Palazzo podcast. You got you post those links out on Twitter, right? 
Plaza Podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Plaza Podcast Twitter handle. You can go there and find everything you need to know about the show, including the free Discord and the Patreon if you really want to take it to another level. We got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you don't want to miss what we have to offer. It's Good Times Noodle Salad with the Plato Podcast. So, actually, uh, is it all right to plug this? Uh, for later in the week, or should we? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to be on the Palazzo podcast later in the week. It'll be on Thursday. Will it go live on Thursday or Friday? It's, oh, It'll be live. It's, it's a live show. We're we're. Uh, I'm in the pre-record mindset here. I'm not used to doing live stuff. So you guys want to see me screw up a little bit? You probably want to go uh, listen to that show on Thursday. <laughs> it's going to be a great time, Joe. We're doing the old uh, one for one here. I do you, you do me, that type of deal, which was not really what we had planned originally, but I've. Wanted to get Joe on the show because I like what Joe has to offer, and I like to meet new people and connect with them. So we'll bring you into the Palazzo Zone, which is a little more zany, and we'll see what we can get out of you on that show. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm a little more calm on this show than I think you guys are going to be there, so i got to maybe have a few cups of coffee that morning or that afternoon before we get going. Get my energy level a little bit up. I tend to be more subdued, but... We'll get the we'll bring the energy on Thursday for sure. So you guys are definitely gonna want to go check that one out. You guys are on all streaming platforms, I assume, right? Apple, Spotify, and the rest. Oh yeah. yeah. We have the YouTube channel, which you can go to. All of our shows are uh live streamed at the same time simultaneously. So if you want to come and hang out with Joe and me, we're gonna be doing the show on four o'clock Thursday, four PM. That is Palazzo Podcast. So youtube.com slash Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Go sub us and uh come to the live chat, ask questions. It should be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. I thank all of you for listening today. I really appreciate all the views. Definitely got a few extra ears there with Michael coming on. So big thank you to him. Big thank you to all you guys. Go ahead and follow, subscribe, download, comment, do all that good stuff. And we will see you back here again tomorrow. Hope everybody has a great day. Cheers, everyone.